0: Let me just sense the presence of the Lord already in this place today, Wow, so real, so tangible. Never take it for granted when his presence begins to manifest, amen. I appreciate the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, we had a, uh, an incredible day yesterday. We were all over our city, praying in our parks, all over our city, praying for our nation, praying for our, our region and our, our county. I don't know. I don't know what the number is. There was probably at least 60 or 70 people, I think, that were praying in different parks all over the city here, and I believe we pierced the darkness. Amen. Amen. So thank you for all of you that participated, that helped us pray. I believe prayer is the key. Prayer is the key, and only hungry people pray. I got two amens over here, maybe one over here, I think. Hungry people pray. Cause they believe something can happen when they pray amen the bible says it's the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous that avails much so we were praying and we just appreciate all those that came out and participated thank you hallelujah all those that are wa- watching by facebook live or on country of 100.5 wafc hey just pray for us we're trying to get our contract extended uh, on wafc we only go to 11:30. 30 we go from 10 to 11.30. We're trying to move that thing up to 12 o'clock so that they can get both barrels. <laughs> I feel like they only get like, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it, and then it shuts off. But just pray with us. We're trying to work on that, and I believe it's the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning if you're ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I just need to ask, who's the happiest person in church today? Hallelujah, it's always good to gather with God's people, amen, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7, I'm going to begin something today and uh, try to get this going here today and just see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, just let you know up front, I, I, I feel like preaching today. So uh, I hope you brought your amens with you. Well, we got about four amens. The rest of y'all are going to have to find. Look, phone a friend. That's what you need to do. Phone a friend. Ask if you can borrow an amen. I despise a silent church. I believe silence is a victory for the enemy. Amen. So it's not just me preaching to you. It's you agreeing with what we're talking about. Amen. And we, we stir up atmospheres when we get in agreement. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I want to read from a couple of different passages, and they're all familiar, but I want to work at it from an angle that I believe that God has put in my heart for this particular time that we're living in, in our nation. I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not just trying to preach hermeneutically correct certain things But I am trying to catch the pulse of the spirit that's over our nation right now so that the church can become a driving force in the middle of it. The the Bible says when it goes well with the righteous, then the city rejoices. So how many know that the righteous has got to get on board so that the whole city can rejoice? So Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 1 says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, where you are entering to possess it. Somebody shout possess and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hiv- Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, somebody shout, it's a victory now, it's a victory, and you shall defeat them and you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. In other words, don't get in an agreement with the land that you're called to possess. Because you're trying to bring a different culture to that land. All right? Look with me in verse number, uh, verse number 17 of that same chapter there. Verse number 17 says... And if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Verse number 19, the great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and wonders and the mighty hand and the outstretched uh, outstretched army by which the Lord your God brought you out. Outstretched arm by which the Lord God brought you out. So you... So shall the Lord your God do to all these people of whom you are afraid. Now look with me over into Joshua, and we'll tie all this together here in a minute. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 3. And they commanded the people, saying, "You shall, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Look with me in verse number 10. And then Joshua said, By this you shall know, That the living God is among you, and he will surely dispossess before you. Here here it goes again, those seven nations, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. This is what I felt like God was saying to me. I I was reading this uh, a few months ago in verse number three of Joshua chapter three, he says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant with the the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Look at somebody and tell them you can't stay where you're at. You can't stay where you're at. You can't, you can't, listen, God is moving. God is moving. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the presence of the Lord, you have to get out from your place and go after it. Look at somebody else and tell them you really can't stay where you're at. You really can't stay. you got to go after it. You go after it. You have to go after the things of God. You have to go after the presence of God. This is, this is my title this morning. Somebody's got to take the territory. Come on, look at, high five about three people and tell them you got to take the territory. Come on, God's moving in the territory and you might as well take it. God's moving in the land, and you might as well take it. It's yours. Every promise of God is yours. Yes and amen. 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 Somebody shout, take the territory. Take it in Jesus' name. Take it. Take it. Take it. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher. You're the communicator of all truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your divine presence that's already manifested in so many ways in our hearts today. Lord, we just give you praise and glory for all that's going to take place in the next few moments as we meet over your word today. Lord, I thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear. Thank you today for a heart to respond. Thank you today for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you today for what you're going to do. By the time we get to the last amen of this service, Lord, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said, amen. Amen and amen, amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Our text this morning describes to us how the Israelites were being literally prepared by God to move into the promised land in order to possess their inheritance, or the way I like to say it, to possess the next level of occupation. God was preparing them for the next level of occupation. And as they were coming out of the wilderness and moving through the promised land, God had instructed them to get ready for the unexpected. Get ready for what you've never seen. Get ready to go to places you've never been. And get ready to do some things you have never done. You have not passed this way before. In other words, God was building into his church, his people, an expectation to see things they have never seen. I believe that is a message to this generation. The taking of the promised land was an actual event for the children of Israel, but it comes to us as a prophetic picture or a prophetic call for the church of our day. The message for that generation is the same message to this generation. Go in and possess the land. Go in and take the territory. Go in and occupy, do business overthrow, uproot, tear down, move into your land, move into your territory, and allow the kingdom of God to be manifested. He said, go in and possess the land and to drive out the seven nations that are greater than you and that are stronger than you. In order for Israel to move into this particular land that God was calling them, in order for them to move and to possess." their inheritance, they had to defeat and destroy the nations that had the territory locked down. They had to defeat and overthrow and destroy the seven cultures or the seven nations that were literally living in that land. They had to move in. I'm going to find somebody to preach to in a minute. They had to move into that land and let the enemies know This town ain't big enough for the both of us. They had to move into the land to let the enemy know we're not here to compromise. We're not here to shake hands and befriend you. We're not here to adore you or to like you. We're not here to have any kind of fellowship with you. We're here to drive you out. That's got to be your attitude against the powers of darkness. We're not here to befriend the powers of darkness. We're here to drive it out. He said, he said in, in, in our day now, in our day, these seven nations represent to us a variety of spirits. In their day, it was people. In our day, it's promises and spirits. We have to drive out the spirits that are occupying in our territory. <laughs> we have to drive them out. We have to to come in with an attitude that says, I can't let you stay where God is putting me. I can't let you stay in my home where God has called me into. I can't let you stay in my land that God has moved me to. Amen. Now, this will be on the screen for you. Nations, they are the established cultures in the land that occupies and influence the territory. That's what a nation is. It's the established cultures that are in the land. And God said, you have to deal with these seven nations. In other words, you have to deal with the cultures. You have to deal with the culture that's in the land. In other words, you have to be be a counterculture. You you have to be something different. You, You can't come into the land and agree with them. You have to come into the land and agree with me. And when you agree with me, God said, I'll be with you, and I'll be for you, I'll go before you, and I will help you drive them out. But the moment you agree with them, you disconnect from me. And he says, you won't have the upper hand if you agree with the seven nations or the seven enemies that are in the land. So in other words, if the church will get an agreement with God, then we're able to drive out the wrong culture that's in the land and begin to establish the culture of the kingdom over that territory. How good would it be if Clouston could get saved? How good? And I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a, in, a, in, a, in a financial way to hurt somebody, but how, many, how, how good would it be if bars would shut down? How good would it be if we ran drug addicts out of town? How, how, how good would it be in our land in our territory? If the kingdom of heaven became so strong, it became so powerful, it became so prevalent that when people came into our territory, they had to get into agreement with God. Now watch this. Seven nations, this, this is their meaning and their purpose. This is their meaning. Let me just show you. Just This is for a little bit of uh, homework here. The Hittites represent to us the sons of terror. They are the spirit of tormenting. They're fearful spirits of depression, phobias, deep emotional despair and torment. That's what a Hittite is. He said, you got to drive it out. You got to drive out the spirit of fear. Huh? Ha- haven't you called on yet that this is a scandemic? Yeah. Haven't you called on to this by now? Huh? I'm not saying Corona's not real, but I'm saying it's not that real. It's not real enough to shut down an economy. That's a scandemic. That is a spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is running in our nation. And God says, when you come in there, don't let the Hivites stay. Don't let the spirit of fear stay. You come into that land and you replace fear with some faith. You put some peace into the atmosphere. He said there's some Gergeshites in the land. The Gergeshites were clay dwellers. They were earthly spirits, spirit of unbelief. They only believe what it can see. They focus on what's temporal. They have a disdain for the spiritual. Those were the Girgashites. Let me just, I don't want to preach all these. The Amorites, they were renowned high mountain people. They were obsessed with earthly fame and glory. Sounds like Hollywood. Thrives to be noticed, domineering spirits. It's, it's what our dictators are driven by. Hitler, Castro, Saddam Hussein. Huh? It's just a spirit that drives them to be noticed. It's a popular spirit. Then you got the Canaanites. They're the lowland people. They're the spirits of addictions, spirit of perversion, lust, spirits of homosexuality, and lesbian. How many know that's running rampant in our land? It's running rampant in our culture. And the only answer to it is not another therapeutic session. The answer to it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, where the culture of God begins to move into that territory. Then you have the parasites; They're, they're be, they be, uh, belonging to a village. That's what it literally means. That means they have limited vision. They're lazy, low self-esteem, produces generations of spiritual stagnation. Then you got the Hivites. They're villagers. They're greedy. They're earthly, uh, earth, earthly people. They just gain their, their heroism. They have pleasure-seeking. It's all about them. God said, don't give in to it. (laughs) Don't give in to your governments that are not of God. Oh, y'all, I'm I'm trying not to preach all this, but y'all ain't saying amen enough here. Don't don't give in to everything that gets pushed down the pike. Because that's not what you're here for. You're here to establish the culture of the kingdom. And then he says you got the Jebusites, they're the threshers, they're they're the suppression of spiritual authority, refuses any form of authority, they're legalistic, they pull people down and humiliate them, and this the spirit that drives racism. You want to know what drives racism in our land? It's the Jebusites. It's the spirit of division. Listen, America is not racist There's racism in it, but America is not racist. We're the only nation on the planet that stopped slavery. But you keep watching the news, and the news is going to tell you that we are a racist nation. That's a Jebusite spirit. And God said the only way that you overthrow a Jebusite spirit is you got to come against that culture and you got to put the culture of the kingdom in the middle of it and overthrow the power of the Jebusites. These nations were greater and more stronger than you. That's what God said. He said these nations are bigger than you, they're stronger than you, they're greater than you, and the way that you overcome them is by not being in agreement with them. Because the moment you agree with them, you empower them. Whatever you agree with, you empower. So the message for that generation to go in and possess the land is the same message that's in our day right now. We have to go in and drive out the inhabitants, the cultures of the land and possess the territory. Take it over. We need to take over spirit in the body of Christ. And in the taking, it's not going to look like anything that you have ever experienced before. When I was working on some of this uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was just putting some things together even last night, God, God began to say to me that it's not going to look like anything that we've ever experienced before in the history of Christianity. It's not going to look like the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s when Martin Luther nailed his 95th theses to the Wittenberg door. It's not going to look like that. It's not going to look like the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield in their day. It's not even going to look like the second Great Awakening in the 1800s that was led by Charles Finney. It's not going to look like the Welsh Revival in 1904 with Evan Roberts. It's not going to look like the Azusa Street Revival in 1906 with William Seymour in Los Angeles, California. It's not going to look like the healing movement in the 40s and the 50s. It's not going to look like the Jesus movement in the 60s. But it's going to be the third great awakening that's going to super exceed all the other movements of God in the earth. And this third great awakening is going to be awakening of the harvest fields of the earth where the whole world begins to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the world gets flipped up for the glory of God. Come on, push somebody and tell them it's a taking the territory. It's taking the territory. Now, I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to hold this back for a minute here, but the Bible says in Psalms 110, let, let's just turn there. Let me, let me just read that to you. Guys, if you got that, if I gave it to you. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This is God talking to Jesus, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. God said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. Now watch this, Acts chapter 3, verse number 19 says, Repent and return so that your sins may be forgiven, wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ appointed for you. Watch this now. Whom heaven must retain. You see that? Whom heaven must retain. Who, 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 who must I'll read it from the scripture. Whom heaven must receive, same word for retain, until the period or the time of the restoration of all things spoken by God by the mouth of his prophets. Notice that heaven is retaining Jesus until a certain time. The restoration of the earth is being held in time. What's it it being held from or being held for? It's waiting, as my wife was saying earlier, it's waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God begin to execute the laws of God in the earth so that the earth can return to its original format. All right, let me just, let me just break it down. It says, until the time of restoration. That word restoration is the Greek word apokatastasis, which literally means the restoration of true theocracy and the restoration of original intent. That's what that word means. Here's a working definition for you. It's the restoration. It's the act of restoring to the rightful owner something that has been taken, lost, or stolen. Push on somebody and tell them, we're about to get some stuff back. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're about to get some stuff back. Listen, if you think the church is down and out, you've lost your mind. The church is still alive and well. We, we may not be as strong as we need to be, but we're going to be as strong as we need to be in the midst of the battles that we're in today. And what the enemy has meant for harm, God's about to turn it around. If you think the church has been silent for way too long, maybe maybe we have. But I'm trying to say the church is coming alive. The church is getting its voice back. And the church is about to pick up where Jesus left off and he's going to make all of his enemies under his feet. All the enemies are coming under his feet. That means if they're under his feet, they're going to be under our feet. In other words, there's going to be a people that will rise and become the vessels or the vehicle that will bring a restoration of God's original intent back to the earth. We might just be that generation. I pray we are. I don't know if y'all watched any of the stuff with uh, Franklin Graham yesterday. They had, I think the estimation was anywhere from 80 to 100,000 people on the White House lawn praying. Thank all three of y'all. And I don't know what Jonathan Kahn had with his his movement there. I don't know how many people he had, but I'm just trying to say the church is fed up. And there's a remnant of believers who refuses to be quiet. God still has a remnant that says, we're about to get up and we're about to rise up and we're about to turn this earth back over to the things of God. He said, he said, he said, heaven must receive him until then. Jesus is retained in heaven until there's a generation that will rise and take the territory. In other words, God said to Jesus, you sit here at my right hand. You're going to be the head, but your body is about to subdue some enemies. Your body is about to move into seven nations greater and stronger than them And they're about to push them out of the territory. And the kingdom of God is about to be established in the territory where there's darkness, there's going to be light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, you get ready because this thing is about to turn. I'm trying to prophesy to somebody today. Everything in your life is about to turn. And as believers, we cannot take the territory. This is how it works for us personally now. As believers, we cannot take the territory as long as we are being possessed by habits, strongholds, and sin. Christians can't be possessed by demons in their spirit, but you can certainly have all kind of spirits harassing you. You can have all kinds of demonic forces messing around in your life. Christians can have a spirit of infirmity. You can be saved, but still have a spirit attached to you. It doesn't have a legal right over you, but nevertheless, it's attached to you. It's possible to have a spirit of depression, a spirit of perversion, a spirit of addiction. It's possible to have areas of your life possessed and controlled by unclean spirits. I'm working on something here. Just hang out with me for a moment. A person, therefore, cannot be free to possess their possessions because they still have territory in their own life that's being occupied by enemies. You can't experience the freedom of God as long as you have attachments of seven other spirits in your life. You can't walk in the fullness that God has for you as long as you allow these seven other attachments keep sticking to you. It's getting really quiet in this Presbyterian Church. Wherever there is freedom, that's where the Spirit of the Lord is. Huh? The Bible says in Galatians 5 to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. When spirits are displaced, then you have the ruling presence of Jesus. And he becomes, watch this now, Lord over a life because of the dispossessing or the evicting of that previous tenant, that spirit. Just track with me for a moment. If you don't own a building, you can't evict a tenant. Only the owner can do that. Right? Unclean spirits don't leave Until Jesus becomes owner. Jesus has to be Lord over your life. He evicts what he's Lord over. That's why I keep saying you can't make agreement with it and expect to be free. Ah. And the more you walk with him, and the more the territory we surrender to him, the more possession he has for us. I'm trying to work this out because I want you to understand where the church is trying to get to. You're not going to evict, cast out, push out, drive out seven cultures that are greater than you when you're sick. When the church has been attached to so many cultural icons and we we have shared the agreement with the culture, then it's hard for the Spirit of God to be Lord over that because we allow the enemy access to dominate. The, the problem in our land, I'm, just, I'm not just saying this for us in general. It's the big C church in America. The problem in our land is not that the culture is so vile. The problem in our land is that the church has become so weak. Yeah. Yeah. That's why there has to be a rising up. Yeah. Jesus came to set us free, but many times the eternal bondages are held in place by all these external symbols. Let me give you an example. That's why when you get free, you have to decide you got to stay free. you got to work out your salvation. When Israel was being held in bondage in Egypt, all around them were symbols. They had the pyramids, the statutes, Pharaoh's court, the Egyptian garments, prevailing cultures of the Egyptians' rulership, and they became the symbols to bondage. When God got ready to set them free, he didn't set them free in Egypt. He took them out of Egypt. He got them away from the external bondages. So he delivers them to a place where they've never been. He takes them to things they've never seen. He lets them see things they've never saw. Let's them experience things they've never experienced. It's a place that doesn't speak to them about their past. I'm trying to help you. God's about to restore some things that the church has never seen, but it's about to come back to its original order. It's about to come to its original restitution. So he delivers them. So when you get set free, there are some things, some people, and some places you don't need to keep hanging around. When you get free, you have to break away from old destructive lifestyles. When you get free, you got to break away from old patterns. Certain kinds of people. I'm losing all my amen. You can't keep listening to all that kind of music. You can't keep watching all those kind of movies. You gotta separate yourself. You gotta pull yourself away because the influence of that culture will keep you powerless, and they're they're greater than you, and they're mightier than you. I get amazed at the body of Christ, how weak we stay. Only to our own detriment because we allow what we have power over entrance into our lives. And, and, the, and, and, and we, don't, we don't have the authority now to drive out what we have authority over because of the weakness of our own spirit. Because we have all these cultures that are attached to us. And it continues to weaken the church rather than make the church stronger. I'm going to preach in a minute. If we don't, if, if the church don't understand its place in time, if we don't understand what God is doing in this hour, you'll keep facilitating the cultures of this world and allow them to drive you to a place that only keeps you in bondage. But what God is doing in this day, uh, what God is doing in this hour, there's a holy, righteous remnant that's rising. There's a church that's rising in the earth that says we're not going to keep making covenant with the things that we have power over. We're not going to stay in agreement with what God has empowered us to have over. And the church is going to rise. That's why there's such this, this, the battle that's going on over our nation now, you think it's about politics. It's about evil versus good. Has nothing to do with, politics has long left their boundaries. Has nothing to do with politics has nothing to do with Democrats and Republicans we have long left the boundaries of politics what's going on in our nation now is the soul. we're in a fight for the soul of our nation and the only remedy to help the nation stay free is the church rising up and become empowered to push the agenda of God back into the cultures of the earth watch this let me let me show you a scripture here go with me to Exodus this making any sense? I got to hurry. Lord, Lord of mercy. Time is eluding me, and I ain't even got to my first point. Exodus chapter 6, verse number 6 says, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Look with me in verse number 8. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession, for I am the Lord. Notice that God said, I'm the Lord. He starts out by telling this nation that I am the Lord over your life. He's telling them who he is. And then he says, I'm going to bring you out from under the burdens. And I'm going to deliver you. I'm going, to he- I'm going to help you get set free of the bondages that have enslaved you. Then he says, I'm going to redeem you. In other words, I'm going to purchase you. I'm going to buy you. If someone says, if someone buys something, then that means they become the owner of something. Right? If you bought something at the store at Walmart, you own it. I'm trying to make this. Trying, y'all look like y'all like lost. You don't just possess salvation. Salvation possesses you. Salvation bought you. Mm. You became the property of Jesus Christ. And he said, with an outstretched arm, I reached from my light into your darkness and brought you out now you're mine i purchased you i've redeemed you i bought you with my own blood he stands in the light and he pulls us out of darkness in other words he had to separate them from the bondages of egypt he had to pull them away from the cultures of egypt so that they could be prepared to move into the land where they could drive out the cultures that are in the land when you got saved God saved you out of the bondages of your sin so that he could plant you in a territory and root out the, the, the seven nations in that territory, the seven spirits of that territory, not so that you could just sing kumbaya and one day go to heaven. He put the church on this planet to disrupt the powers of hell so that mankind can see the power and the authority of God being released and exercised in the earth. And that don't come through any other entity but through the church itself. Push on somebody and say, take the, take the territory. Now, let me show you these two scriptures here. And then uh, Exodus 24. I know it's a lot of Bible scriptures for a short time here, but let me just get it. and Maybe we'll set it up for next week. Exodus 24, verse number 17. And to the, to, to the eyes of the sons of Israel and the appearance of the glory. Somebody shout the glory. The glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. On the mountaintop, and Moses entered into the midst of the cloud, and he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Notice that the, 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 the glory of the Lord was like fire. To the children of Israel, the glory of God was like fire. It's what, it, it's what when, when, they, when they experienced God's glory, it was like fire in their midst. Now watch this. Look with me in Obadiah. Y'all remember Obadiah? Obadiah. Oh, man. I'm, I'm trying to get to where I want to go. I know it's, it's taking me a while. Guys, you got that on the screen? Obadiah. Did I give you Obadiah? No? I'll get it. 870. Did I tell you what? Obadiah's only got one chapter. Obadiah chapter 1, verse number 17. But on the mount. On Mount Zion, there will be those who escape, and it will be holy. Watch this now. And the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob will be a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau will be a stubble. And they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken Notice that in Obadiah, the house of Jacob is going to be like fire, and the house of Joseph is going to be like a flame. But the house of Esau is going to be like stubble. Here's the breakdown. Esau was born with the birthright, but he didn't want it. Esau was born with the birthright to be like fire, but he didn't want it. So Jacob... Got what Esau despised. That's why Paul said in Romans, he said, he said, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Because Esau hated his birthright, he despised it, and Jacob loved what he wanted. This is where the separation comes. There's gonna be a generation, and I pray to God we're in it, that's gonna get so on fire for God because we're so hungry for the glory. We're so hungry for the fire of God. We're not going to be like the church of Esau where we despise our birthright, but there's going to be a fire, passionate movement in our hearts that's longing for the things of God, and we're just not going to be a church that goes through the motions of religious calisthenics and say, I went to church and I went back home, and the devil still runs roughshod, but there's a fire, there's a glory that's going to be in the house of Jacob, and Joseph will be like a flame, and we're going to consume the house of Esau the house of Esau will be like stubble oh Lord I wish you could feel it the way I feel it that means there is a remnant that's going to rise in the earth that's not going to keep settling and selling out for the things of this world ladies and gentlemen there is a mighty army that's being raised up right now there's a glory that's turning and burning on the inside of us and we are not content to get up and sing kumbaya and go through the motions of everyday life but we have this passionate zeal for the things of god to overthrow the powers of hell There's a generation that's going to be like that. There's a generation that's going to rise like that. They're going to rise and they're not going to be like the house of Esau. You had it, but you didn't want it. It was yours, but you didn't want nothing to do with it. And you would sell your birthright for a bowl of beans. You'll sell your birthright for momentary pleasure. You'll sell your birthright for fun and entertainment. You'll sell your children. You'll sell your nation. You'll sell your marriage. You'll sell your life for momentary pleasing opportunities that will fade away. But there's a generation that says, I am consumed with the glory of God. I'm consumed with the mountain of the Lord. I want to see the fire of God. I want to see the cleansing power and the authority of God move in my generation that literally governments begin to shake under the weight of God's glory. Prisons begin to shake under the weight of God's glory. There's a generation that's going to rise that's going to be like that. I pray to God that we're a part of it right now. I pray to God that we are literally on the verge of a third of great awakening that's not going to look like anything we have ever experienced in the history of Christianity, but it's going to be a movement of God that's going to overthrow strongholds, that's going to overthrow principalities and powers, that's going to overthrow wrong governments, it's going to tear some down and put some back up a generation tell somebody we got to take the territory we gotta take the territory there will be a holy remnant in the in the earth that's gonna rise there's a generation if I can say this with all amount of respect that I have there's a generation that's gonna separate themselves from worldly diets worldly habits and worldly patterns it's a generation that's gonna become distinct we ain't gonna wonder are you a Christian or not? (laughs) <laughs> distinct in our behavior distinct in our lifestyle and distinct in our pursuit for God guys in the back put James 4.4 4, I think I gave it to you James 4.4 4. it says uh, you got it I don't want to have to take time to turn there you got it James 4.4 4. no alright let me turn there praise the Lord I got to show you these scriptures because they, they make sense James 4.4 4 says it this way. It says, now, now, anytime a preacher says go to James, you know it's going to get tough. Okay, anytime you open up the book of James, it's going to be hard, okay? Because James was a bad brother. I mean, this, this brother would just write what he knew was right. So, so James is looking at a bunch of Christians. In verse number 4, he says, you bunch of adulterers. I got like three. Amen. The rest are like, "Oh God." He says, "Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God." That that word "adulteress" there—it's it, really an Old Testament phrase, metaphorically that he was using in terms. It, it means to. To break away and to serve other idols. That's what he was saying. In other words, you're in covenant with one thing, but you're cheating on it. (laughs) You say you love God, but you're having an affair with the world. And we're supposed to drive out nations that are stronger than us? You can't do it with all that compromise. You won't even get the victory in your own life. Look with me in First John. Let me just ease the pain a little bit. Just, it's just keep going if you got, maybe you guys got it. First John, I'll just keep looking them up. First John chapter 2. Verse number 15, it says, "Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away. And it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, this passage is not written to sinners. He's talking to the church. He's saying, you got, you got to break away from your affair with the world. I'm trying to help us to understand. Until there's total agreement with the things of God in our life, we'll keep surrendering to the pressures of the cultures that are in the land. And, and the moment you surrender... Your, 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 your struggles or your trouble, then God steps in and begins to help us even in our weaknesses. But until you surrender the attitude that I'm going to go all the way, then you keep empower the culture, empowering the cultures to have the upper hand over your life. He said, don't befriend the world. He's not talking about the planet. He's talking about the cosmos. It's, it's the world. It's, it's the orderly arrangement, the system order of Satan. He's saying, don't keep in line with the systems of this world. You you can't love me at the level that I've called you to love me and keep having a relationship with the affairs of the systems of this world because all they're going to do is drag you down and limit your victory. That's why God has said, I'm going to have a remnant. There's going to be a remnant that's going to rise, and Jesus is going to be retained. Jesus is going to be held back until a remnant begins to rise and take all the enemies that are in the planet and slide them under our feet because when they get under our feet, that means they're under his feet. And there's going to be a generation. Come on, look at somebody telling it might as well be us. There's going to be a generation that's going to rise with a hunger for the things of God. We're not going to be like the house of Esau. We're going to be like the house of Jacob where there's a fire that's burning on the inside of us. Come on, stand on your feet. I got to quit. I ain't, I ain't nowhere near done, but I'm going to quit. Look, 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 let me just show you. Guys, throw that last, if you're back there working with me, throw this last um. Uh, this quote uh, of, of Chelson back there for me, Chelson Bacari is a program director for religion and democracy. This, this is what they said, popular liberal evangelical writers and preachers are telling young evangelicals if they accept abortion and same-sex marriage, then the media, academia, and Hollywood will finally accept Christians. And out of fear of being falsely dubbed intolerant or uncompassionate, many young Christians are buying into the theological falsehood all in the name of tolerance. That's what's going on in our nation. That's that's, that's why why the church is limping. Because we got a generation of young people that are buying in that, well, all these sins are okay. No, they're not. No, they're not. They they never were okay, and they never will be okay. And because of a political correct society has bled over into the church, now the people in the church expect the preacher to be politically correct. But, but you, you, don't, you don't drive out nations by agreeing with them. And, and be, because, and thank God it's not like this in this church. I, I don't feel that at all from this house. You know, it, it's fine. But, but because of politically correct society, they start labeling people homophobic, like xenophobic, bigots, because we keep, surrendering on, right. to the world's demands. Right. Yeah. So I don't know of one person in here that I know really good that's xenophobic, homophobic, might be a homo sapien. <laughs> I don't know any bigots in this room. So you gonna put that label on us You've lost your mind. And you think your your threats is going to intimidate us? It, It has the church in the past, but there's another generation that's rising. There's another generation that we're not just going to sit back and take it. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Bible says that the Philistines fought against Israel, and they took the ark of God. They captured the presence of God. That's always mind-boggling me when I read it because how do you capture God? But they did. They captured the presence of God, and they took it away. The enemy was more aware of Israel's strength than they were. And how can we allow the very thing that makes us different, the very thing that makes us powerful, how can we let an enemy slip in and take it from us? You've got to be out of your mind. I mean, you, I'm just telling you, I, I don't know. I I just I, I got this thing. I'm stirred up. The Holy Ghost has messed with me for about a month now over some of this stuff. I am stirred up over our nation because if you think the church is going to roll over, come on, California, wake up. Get back up there. Wake up. If you think we're just going to shut up over a, over a scandemic, you think we're just going to close our doors? You think we're going to live in fear? You think we're going to not preach the truth? You think we're worried about the division in our nation? No, we're the ones that can bring peace to it. We're the ones that can bring resolve to it. What, what's mind-boggling to me, though, in, as we close now, how can the very thing in our midst that distinguish us from every other entity get stolen from us? Tell you how it gets stolen. When the church don't respond, That's right. yeah. come on. That's right. come on. we're not going to have a literal enemy come in here and just take our stuff. And right. no, they're going to use governmental laws, That's right. That's right. and they're going to enforce legislation and cause you to be quiet, and you'll be li- like living in communist China. Listen, I'm just trying to help our church understand. When you go on social media, you don't fight with people on social media, but you better be posting things about God that are true and accurate. That's right. That's right. And just say, listen, the church is alive. That's right. Amen. 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 And don't be intimidated because somebody's going to call you something. Right. Right. I'm telling you, it's going on all over. I've got preacher friends that are calling me all the time. Right. Like, man, they're being persecuted because of they, they liked something that somebody said that was truth. I'm like, put on the big boy pants. This is a real deal. This, we're in warfare. We're in warfare. Take it on the chin. Throw another tweet out. We can't afford to lose the very thing that makes us powerful. And that's the presence of God in our midst. And that's why even when we come to this house on a Sunday, on a worship service, probably had a long day at work, maybe worked all day Saturday, or worked all week, and you might even come in here tired. I'm just trying to help you understand, sir, that don't matter. Ma'am, that don't matter. When you come in here, you drop everything, and you jump into the presence of God with everything you got. You may may be going through hell and high water. The best thing you can do is get in God's presence, not sit there in in your problem. There's a spirit in our land that's trying to silence the church. And and if we're not careful, it'll keep us from worshiping God. It'll keep us from praising God. It'll even keep us from gathering. We're still missing probably almost a a third of our church. They're not back yet because they've given in to the spirit of fear. And now the spirit of fear has made life comfortable. And that's just not in our church. That's across the board. 15 to 20% of most Christians in America will not return back to church. Because they got used to watching church online. And they've fallen out of fellowship and they came out from under authority. That's why there has to be this pushback. So when you come into the land, you have to take it. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violent, take it by force. Come on, look at somebody saying, we're going to take it. We're going to take it. We're going to take everything. We're going to take everything that God has. I'm going to take it. Come on, all over the building. Just lift your hands right there where you are. Just come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on, there ought to be an explosion of words just being lifted up into this building to now. Some of you may be tired and weary, battle-worn and torn, but boy, you just need to open up your mouth and begin to give praise, begin to magnify the Lord, going through all kinds of trouble, all kinds of struggle, but it don't matter. God is still on the throne. He's going to empower those that are working with him. Hallelujah. The Lord loves you. The Lord will be with you. He's brought you out with an outstretched arm. Come on, we're not going back to the symbols of Egypt. We're not going to live under Pharaoh's court. We're not going to keep making Pharaoh's bricks. Hallelujah. The church is alive. The church is strong. The church is moving. The church is a force in the earth. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I just heard the Lord say, Come on, house of Jacob. Come on. Come on, house of Jacob. Don't be like the house of Esau. Come on, pray until a fire begins to well up on the inside of you. Pray until there's a moving of the spirit. Ah. Hey. Till there's a breakthrough of many waters. Till the powers of hell are defeated over my mind. The strongholds of the enemy are destroyed over my thinking. I've been raised up in this generation. There's an anointing on my life to take the territory. Hey, hatta. There's an army that's rising. I'm not attached to my past. I'm not attached to spirits that are trying to limit me. I'm not attached to them no more. I've been purchased. I've been bought. I've been redeemed. The blood of Jesus is over my life. a stirring in the hearts of your people. Coming out of mixture and compromise. We're going to be that manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. Thank you, Lord. Just such a heavy anointing. I just feel God. I just feel God moving. I feel God dealing. I feel God In, it can't always be like this something's got to change everything changes when we change don't despise your birthright don't despise your inheritance don't despise I just hear the Lord say some of you are standing in the gap for your children right now You're standing in the gap right now for your children. I heard the word of the Lord say, if you'll keep standing, if you'll keep declaring, as for you and your house, your whole house shall be saved. Your whole house will be saved. We're not surrendering our children to the enemy. We're not surrendering our children to the cultures of the earth. Just keep standing. Just keep fighting. Grab the sword of the spirit and begin to swing it. The word of the Lord is in your mouth. The Spirit of God is over your life. Change your confession over your children. Prophesy out of their future. Prophesy out of their destiny. Prophesy out of their purpose. Ke. Ka. I hear the Lord say, this is a strong word, but I hear the Lord say, Not none would be lost. None would be lost. None would be lost. None would be lost. That's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. That's your inheritance as a child of the living God. Yes. That's for me and my house. Acts 16. My whole family shall serve the Lord. My whole family will be born again. Hey. Katay. Mahay. Warfare for somebody's children right now. Somebody's children are hanging in the balance. Somebody's children are running a million miles away from God. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is running them down. The Holy Ghost is after them. It's a movement of God in the earth. I speak. I speak to you, parents. That are contending for your children. I want to be really strong. I forgot which one it was. There's a there's a, there's a, uh, there's, there's a spirit of depression. It's a spirit of lost focus. It's almost like a spirit of despair and torment. It's, 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 it's from the sons of terror. It's from the Hittites. It's a spirit of tormenting. It's a fearful spirit because you don't think that they're going to serve the Lord. And it's caused you to live a life of cycles, in and out, feeling good one day, depressed the next day, living in a constant state of fear. But I hear the Lord say, I'm raising up a standard with you today. I'm raising up a standard with you today. Your prayers have been heard in the throne room of heaven. And I hear heaven's standing attention. I know it don't make sense in your natural realm today because you felt like you didn't do a good job. Maybe you blew it even as a parent. But I hear the Lord say, because you've been redeemed, there's a promise over your life. And I break the spirit of tormenting over your life. I break the spirit of condemnation over your life. I break the spirit of fear over your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Who well, can we just give God praise? Children, sons and daughters, grandchildren, coming home, coming home. Yes. Oh. We're driving it out. We're driving it out. We're driving, we're driving the influence. We're driving the stronghold out. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just, I, God's moving on me now. I know we need to go, but I just feel like if you need to go, you can. But I just feel God moving. There's, there's, some, there's some physical issues that are going on in people's lives right now. Just throw your hand up right where you are. You just got some real physical issues right there, right there, right there. Just real physical issues that are going on in your life. Right here, over here, over here. I know Linda's got surgery coming up over here. Come on, everybody's got their hand raised. Hold it really high. We want to see you. We want to see you hold your hands really high. Now, everybody that's looking at them, go lay hands on them real quick. We're about to break the spirit off of their life, the spirit of sickness, disease, infirmity, the work of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're about to pray and release a Holy Ghost landslide of healing in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't come out of prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is a supernatural power of healing that's flowing here, right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we come against every sickness. We come against every attachment of the enemy that's bringing physical harm to their body right now. In the name of Jesus, I bind every lion's spirit against their body, and I command their body to receive the bomb of Gilead. Let the healing power of God flow, 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 flow in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the healing power. Ah, ah. He's the God that heals. He's the God that heals. There's healing flowing now. In the name of Jesus, just receive it by faith, receive it by faith I bind every attack, I bind every spirit in the name of Jesus that's attached itself to your life I bind the spirit in the name of Jesus and we release the power of God, we release the healing of God, flow now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name, name, we call you free we call you healed we call you delivered. There it, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Come on, somebody give God praise. There's healing flow. There's a healing flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. but your next report is going to be a better report. Your next report will be a better report. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. I think on your way out of here, you need to find somebody. The Bible says we overcome them by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. You need to tell somebody, I think I just got healed today. I felt, I felt something move in my body. You may not have felt that physically, but I felt it by faith. I felt it by faith. I received it by faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church is rising. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of mixture. Spirit of compromise. is breaking. Ooh, there's a sellout to God. There's not only a, a remnant rising, but there's a holy remnant. It's a holy remnant that's rising. There's a distinction on our life. Hallelujah. Let me just say this and then we're going to go because I, I want you, to, please don't take this wrong in a sense of being negative. But the more the holy rises, the smaller the church will become. Say it again. The more holiness rises, the smaller the church will become. Because not everybody is going to sell out to holiness. We'll sell out to a therapeutic message. We'll sell out to a feel-good message but we'll keep surrendering territory. But God's going to raise up a righteous remnant. And trust me, this right, righteous remnant, it's going to be bigger than what you think it is. But it's not going to be like the church is right now. God's going to whittle it down to the people who have the ability to carry the fire because they didn't despise their birthright. It's going to be the house of Jacob and the house of Joseph and we're gonna eat up the house of Esau. They're gonna be fuel to our fire. They're gonna be like stubble. Because a remnant is gonna rise with holiness. Amen? Amen? Amen. I know that that, that probably don't feel like good news. It it is good news if you understand the power of holiness. It's good news because God said, I can deliver by few or by many. Don't Don't take God a whole lot of effort to do anything. But he's got to have a willing vessel that's no longer compromising with the world. Father, I thank you today for the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you today for this house. I thank you today for this people. I thank you today that we are a remnant in the glades. We're a remnant that's pressing in to greater levels of glory. Till the fire of God consumes us. Lord, we won't be content until we see it. We won't be content until we have it. But, Lord, we're going to be people of faith that press in. And we give you praise. We give you glory. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said, amen. 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 Will you just run to somebody and tell them we're going to take the territory?